Welcome back to the Dr. Body Mind Soul podcast. My name is Dr. Jude, and this is a podcast which explores how we can integrate modern medicine and alternative therapies to help you get the holistic health care that you deserve. I will be speaking to healers and seekers, researchers and authors who will share their experiences and the evidence to help guide us all to holistic health. Let's do this. Barb Hawken is the go-to menopause fitness coach, helping women in midlife feel strong and sexy again. She believes making simple tweaks in the kitchen and the gym can make all the difference to a woman's health and confidence. And she is here to tell us exactly what those tweaks are. So welcome, Barb. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here. I mean, I'm really excited to talk to you to get some really simple and clear advice about what I should be focusing on moving forward. Because as an A&E doctor, I see many elderly people coming in with falls. And this is a major problem. Mm. It relates to their balance, which is associated with strength and also relates to bone density and bone health. And all of these factors, if we don't actually focus on them now, um, do cause really major health consequences in the future. And I see that with my own eyes in my own practice every day. So I'm really keen to talk to you about just what simple tweaks we can all make and adopt to keep ourselves strong. as as we age, this is just such an important important um, topic. So, where would you say we need to start? <laughs> Thank you. So, really, I hate to say it, but we really need to start teens, twenties, right? We think of longevity. A lot of us don't really think about it until it almost is too late. I mean, technically it never is too late, but if you're listening to this in your twenties and thirties or even forties and you think, Oh, wow, I I need to do a little bit of research on this because the bones, we need to strengthen them before we hit, let's say menopause, particularly post menopause. So the biggest thing is strength training over cardio. Cardio is cool and all right for your heart, but it's the strength training, meaning lifting weights three to five days a week is always my hope. And, you know, if you look at the medical research, scientific, that's what they say as well. And so it's that strength training that builds bone density, because if you can head into perimenopause, menopause with strong bones, right, then you can just keep going with that through your nutrition, through your strength training regimen, and really, really help yourself combat the risk of osteoporosis, which does you know, occur and that incidence rises because of the lack of estrogen in menopause women. So it's critical to build muscle mass through weight training and also increase your bone density through weight training as well. Correct. What would you recommend to focus on our... Well, actually, before I move into diet, like you're talking about lifting weights, that can seem really quite intimidating, I think, to many women who haven't 
been exposed Mm -hmm. to that before I mean I wouldn't know where to start and I understand actually like working with someone like yourself who's got experience um in in that would be of real value but for some for someone listening um you know what does weight training what could weight training look like you know what does that mean can you break that down Right. It's, it is intimidating because I grew up, of course, without the internet. We didn't, you know, and I was younger and we only had muscle and fitness magazine, which was the real buff girls, right. Who worked out with a barbell or we had shape magazine. I read shape magazine. So even today, a lot of my clients, cause they are in their forties and fifties and older, they have never worked out or haven't worked out in a decade. They don't feel comfortable in the gym. So they can start off with a home program. Every every woman, woman pretty much has five pound weights at home. It's just kind of what we have lying around and they might have some bands. And so if not, I ask them to get them because you can do so much with body weight, which technically is a weight bearing exercise. Take a push up. If I can get you to do a military style push up, okay, that might take a while, which means not on your knees and with your elbows correctly down beside your body, not flared out because that'll just give you a shoulder injury. That's you see it all over the internet. Very incorrect because you want to work your triceps, right? You want sexy arms. So if I can get a gal to get into strong enough to get into a full push-up, that is a weight bearing exercise that is making her bones stronger, even without even lifting weights. But on my home program, let's say custom coaching, I design it, all my programs for the gal, you know, what her equipment that she has, her, her comfortability, if she wants to go to the gym or not. So we use bands, body weight and, and lightweight dumbbells. And as I'm teaching her, it's all online because she sends me videos and I tweak her form. And as I'm teaching her, as she's learning how to lift through proper form, then I do, you know, cartwheels when she says, I think I'm ready for the gym because then she can do heavier dumbbells because the dumbbells are very expensive. Now at the gym, she can have access to dumbbells. If she wants to learn how to work with a barbell, that would be awesome too. I did not start working with a barbell until I was 50. I picked up power lifting when I was 51 just to because I liked, you know, the barbell, it was cool. And I just got the state record in the squat last month um, in the state of Florida. So I've worked for that for four years before competing. And I, my first competition, I got it. Most people aren't going to do things like that. And it's not necessary. I'm not a powerlifting coach, but I know how t- to tweak my client's form to perfection because it's so very important. My whole goal is so that they can be mobile functioning as they get older. So just there's little tweaks and things that you can do every single day. Just taking that walk, finding an incline is so important. Walk on an incline, a hill, get off the pavement. It's really, really important for your balance. And so that's why I do an assessment with all my clients. We put them, let's see how they can do a body weight squat. I want to make sure that they can get down to parallel. And if not, then we assess, okay, why can't they? It's usually some mobility. They probably haven't worked out in a while. It could be their ankles, could be their hips. It's okay because my powerlifting coach has a master's degree and he writes all of my one-on-one gals programs because if you're 40 or 50, you might have past injuries. You have something going on and I cannot have anyone injured 
Not only that is we bring up weaker muscles, let's say triceps, hamstrings. I guarantee that they're weak because they're weak on me, meaning my hamstrings are weaker than my quads. As people, our quads will take over before the back of our thighs, right? And what happens is then you get low back pain, your knees ache because of that muscle imbalance, that discrepancy. And so on my program, we make sure that they are working. And I can tell by the way their actions are through the video, what their weaknesses are. And then we put in other exercise like hamstring curls, things that we all don't like to do, even with a Swiss ball or something because they burn. But I make sure that they get those or hip abductions, things like that. I can tell if they're squatting, even a body weight squat, and their knees are caving in. That means their hips are weaker than, again, their quads, and they're probably not using their glutes. So we we put in certain exercises, and that's why very shortly they get not only toward their gains of losing weight, getting stronger, but they can actually move so much better. And that's the key, really, isn't it? I mean, I think that there is the piece of uh, there is a piece of feeling sexy and I actually think that's also really important as well uh, in older you know as we as we get older we want to feel confident yeah. and we want to feel connected to ourselves, and that often yeah. is really related to that but um or and I should say the the key around like functioning and being mobile and being independent is mm-hmm such a driver at least for me in motivating me to to work out and to to say to 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 become strong um and it's really encouraging to hear that actually doing exercises at home and using our own body weight counts as weight training I hadn't realized that before so that's that, that makes it le- much less intimidating. Yeah. Well, very typically, yeah, just kind of technically walking is weight bearing versus swimming, right? Swimming is great for cardiovascular, but it's not a weight bearing exercise. So th- so that's why, like all my clients, I want them to walk, right, They to get their steps. And also, we know that 50% of middle-aged women, they just don't get as much activity as when they were a little, even a little younger. And so getting in steps, but yeah, that is weight bearing. But To progressively overload is the key, which really just means, okay, if I did five pounds on a bicep curl now, I'm going to see if I can do another rep because it's really difficult, especially as women to, you can't just keep adding a bunch of weight to a bicep curl, you know, bicep small muscle. But the idea is to either, you know, increase weight or reps, reduce rest time, um, increase your intensity. There's many ways to progressively overload your body, your muscles, because your body will get very, very accustomed to whatever you're doing. So if you're doing the same thing for four weeks, you need to change it up because your body will, will not change. And my clients, usually they want their belly fat gone, right? Because in perimenopause, it starts you know, let's say even in your early 40s, that shift because of the estrogen is getting lower and your hormones are getting in balance. And it's that shift doesn't mean you're gaining weight. It's just the fat will redistribute itself around your body. When you're in menopause, closer to when that is usually around 50 ish, um, you will lose fat and muscle almost overnight. It's incredible in your upper butt. And you need that there. It keeps, you know, keeps the booty shapely. And in your legs, if you've ever looked at like middle-aged women, 
They have maybe, a, we call it the mental pot, but very skinny legs. And what happens is because they're afraid to eat. Most of my clients, when they come on, they just don't eat enough. Um, you're an ER doctor, so, you know, you may not talk about nutrition. You know, you're just there for an emergency. But women, again, goes back to what you're saying about diet culture. For sure, I underate and overtrained. I just weight trained for many years, Okay. And um, I was tired, exhausted, but one of the signs of overtraining is denial. And I definitely denied, right? Until I, I came up with my 15 foods that I eat, you know, lots of protein always. And um, my body changed within weeks because I was already training. I just needed to add more food, but I was scared. Like a lot of my clients, it's, it's kind of a body dysmorphia. It's just we're afraid to get fat. And, but they're consuming 11, 1200 calories. That is it or, or less. And that's such a calorie deficit because most people should be eating at least 17 or 1800 calories a day. That is just maintenance. That is saying, okay, I'm not going to gain weight. I'm not going to lose weight. I'm just going to remain here. But because they don't get all the activity and other factors, they still might gain weight. And then they think they're eating too much when it's really their activity. So, it's a slippery slope. It's really difficult um, to get a gal eating enough when she does and when she trusts the process. Because the thing that happens the first 10 days is if I say, okay, I want you to eat 300 more calories today, you know, every single day, even though she's still in a deficit, that the additional calories, the water, especially carbs, is going to attach to the carbs, and she might have a slight weight gain on the scale, which gets in her brain. She starts freaking out, thinks she's getting fat when she's not. It's just my word. Her body's finally waking up and saying, wow, this girl's not starving. And so if she can get through that initial 10 days, potentially, if you know if she needs to, to eat more, then I will continue adding a little bit more food, but she will she will lose one pound a week. That is always what I don't want anyone losing more than that. Sometimes if you're if you have a lot of mass, say you need to drop 40 pounds, you can lose weight much quicker. But a lot of the gals, they only have 15, 20 pounds, and they will absolutely lose one pound a week without so starving. So you're saying you you can eat more and lose weight. It's much more of a focus on what you're eating and also increasing the right types of exercise. So tell me about what I should be adding to my diet. Um, you mentioned protein. Um, how much protein should we be focused on eating? Um, and I'm curious as to what proteins you tend to recommend. So again, um, food and nutrition is highly individual to each, indi you know, each person, the way that our chemicals and our, our, our bodies are made up, but very generally is the protein is one gram and this. I know you're in, in London, but one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Okay. So I don't really know kilograms. I know I'm 52 kilograms. That's, I, I do know I weigh that much, about 114, 113 pounds, but that, that is it because I, I treat all my clients as an athlete. So in America, as an example, you might have uh, had this overseas. 
um, the medical associations come up with a chart of how much protein you should eat as a human being, right? But they're usually not for athletes. So, so now, since you are now working out, right, five days a week, usually on my program, now you're an athlete. I treat you like an athlete. You need to eat like an athlete or you're not going to gain muscle. So a lot of women, even when I say gain muscle, they're like, oh, I don't want to get big and bulky. That is kind of going away. So then I use terms as, okay, how about lean, sexy muscle? Yeah, I definitely want that. I want lean, sexy body. I want that bar. I want to, I want to lose this belly weight because that is the, the big thing. And I want tone. That's what they want. Tone is muscle. And so to do that, you definitely need to eat more. I personally, I'm 55. And so I eat more than one gram of protein. I eat closer to 1.2, 1.3, because not only I'm postmenopausal now, so now I'm trying to hold on to that, to that muscle. And really, it's harder to gain muscle than it is to lose fat. People don't understand that, but what happens is, let's back to my calorie deficit. If you come out of my program and I, I'll ask you a few questions, do you think you're eating a calorie deficit? Some women say, gosh, I have no idea even what you're talking about. What do you mean? And I said, well, tell me about you. how much do you eat every day? And they start going, oh, I had some egg whites for breakfast and you know a little bit of oats or a lot of intermittent fast and they only eat a couple meals a day. I have doctor clients especially, right? Because in residency, you know, it's like you're not fed, you know, one meal a day. And so I'm like, okay, you, just by telling me that, I know you're not getting enough food. Then we do things like my fitness pal so I can really see what they're eating. And it helps them also realize, wow, I only logged 1,100 calories today. And I said, okay, so we're going to add some more food in. So I wouldn't put them on a lower calorie diet because it wouldn't work. But that's what women do. They think, okay, I'm eating this now, but I need to really lose this belly fat. So I'm going to eat less and I'm going to do more cardio. And it just stresses their body out. Their body will not respond to that. Okay, their body is thinking, okay, I need to preserve some fat. That's what a body does. Because I think this girl's kind of starving. We don't really know when her next meal is going to be. So I'm going to keep this fat around these very precious organs, which are around the belly. And we're just going to maintain here, okay? That's what your body does. Your body wants you to be healthy. And so by adding some more food in, which a lot of women need, your metabolism wakes up, says, whoa, I've got food for energy. This is awesome. And it starts rewarding you by speeding up your metabolism just a little bit. You're starting to feel better. You now can lift heavier weight, which then if you get enough protein, at least one gram, then you will start building some muscle. So that's one gram of protein per pound of body weight per pound of body weight okay and I think there's 2.2 pounds per kilo and I think there is 14 pounds per stone so <laughs> lots of I know. different measuring yeah, yeah. measuring ways but yeah that's that's a lot actually that's a lot more than I was yes. expecting you to say actually and how would you recommend Getting it all in. <laughs> Getting it all in. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the first thing is I eat like steak and eggs for breakfast. I had actually ground beef and ground bison this morning. I did have some oats. Um, so a good 40, you want like, think about that. Do you eat three meals a day or do you eat five meals a day? So first is trying to figure out how many 
meals you are willing to eat. We do know that protein needs to be in your body every few hours for that protein stimulation. Okay. Again, you're an athlete, right? You want to try to build a hot, sexy body by getting on some lean muscle tissue. So you need to always have some protein. So if I'm going to eat four meals a day, which I usually do, I want, you know, 120 grams of protein. So at least 30, 35 grams per meal, it's really not that difficult. I mean, you could have four ounces of chicken, right? And then you're going to want to eat it with a complex carb or at least some veggie, okay? It's just better together. I just did an Instagram post on that this week, but that's what you want to do. And so if you think about, okay, I'm going to eat every three hours, small meals. These are not ginormous on vacation at a steakhouse type of meal. They're they're smaller manageable meals so that you will be filled up, you'll have plenty of energy, but then, you know, you're going to be hungry in a few hours. And if not, yeah, I've had to force feed myself because I need a more protein, right? And for longevity purposes, especially if you get my age, I'm a huge longevity proponent is you don't want to eat 3 hours before you go to bed. It is difficult, especially for younger people. It is difficult for me because I have an Italian household. Um, and so we normally eat late, you know, 9, 930. And especially when we go to Italy, we're eating at, at midnight. It's crazy. But on a normal, when I'm at home, then I can control that, right? We can only control really when we're at home and, and be so disciplined. Because like I said, everyone travels. Everyone eats out. I eat out all the time. And so thinking about that food during the day. Okay. If I go out, I know I'm going to probably overconsume carbs because they're in everything, probably going to have some seed oils. So I'm probably going to be a little bloated. So I really need to be really disciplined today, yesterday, the next day, that sort of thing when you are at home. And if I want to go to bed by 11, which is kind of late, then, you know, I need to make sure I'm stopped eating by seven, you know, or seven 30. So it's just a few lifestyle changes doesn't mean you're going to hit it every night. I know that I can't hit it every night, you know, that, that stopping the eating. Um, and so what you can really do is just, you just have to kind of think about your food and meal prep a little bit, not the whole week. I don't, I like fresh food, but I do think about my day or let's say last night. Okay. I'm really busy tomorrow. I'm going to make extra meat. Because meat is easy, ground beef, you know, it's just so easy and it's very easy to, you know, get down quickly too. We're all really busy if you have to eat in the car or something. And you could just pack that in a glass container around with your salad, green beans or something, even some white rice or sweet potato, your complex carb, and eat that at work, you know, a couple meals like that. And, and it's just, it's so much less stressful because then you're not starving when you get home and you're starting to grab anything and starting to snack. Mm. Yeah. Preparation really does, really does help. Mm -hmm. um, can you give us some tips on those? I don't really eat much meat. Um, mm -hmm. So what proteins would you be focusing on for those who are vegetarian or vegans even um, who need to increase their protein? So I do have vegetarian clients. And so they usually cannot get the one gram um, because they would go over their calories. That is a challenge for them. And so they are eating their beans. Even oatmeal has some, you know, has a little bit of protein because I'm a huge proponent of non-processed foods um, for forever, right? No packaged foods. So 
vegan is too challenging. And, but my vegetarian girls, they, I had one, she got a hundred grams each day. She did really well. She was extremely active though. Um, she did it by yogurt, Greek yogurt, you know, she, she would do that eggs, you know, you have to either, it's just a challenge, but they, but they can do it. They just kind of tweak a little bit, you know, with the foods that they're already eating. Um, that's what they do. And just um, to to sort of speak uh, speak on behalf of someone who eats a largely plant based diet, I think people who are on a largely plant based diet who are focusing on whole foods um, are generally quite conscious of protein intake because they have to be. It becomes yeah. such a massive decision. So. Um, sneaking black beans into smoothies <laughs> yeah i do really regularly i make bliss balls with black beans um yes. so to, just to be really full chickpeas are yes. a way, again of bulking out salads but also of bulking out smoothies which sounds super gross but actually yes. you, you don't taste taste when yeah you you're probably don't yeah. yeah when you're actually um making them properly so so there are lots of ways you can sneak in quite a lot of protein. I've never actually calculated how much protein I get in per day. Um, yeah. But now I'm sort of feeling intrigued and curious to start yeah. thinking about tracking that because as you say, muscle mass is so important and it's very evident in the ER when people don't look after that. Um, so you mentioned um, belly fat being you know the biggest problem that a menopausal woman struggle with can you why does that become such a big problem in midlife yeah well it's it's the hormone imbalance which for me it did you know start in the 40s some gals you know perimenopause starts in the 30s um but normally some sometime in the 40s it's that hormone fluctuation, when we have that drop in estrogen, then what happens is, yeah, belly, belly fat does tend to come on. And it's very surprising because a lot of women are pretty fit. They're doing, you know, exercises already. They might do Pilates and they're like, wow, what is, you know, they see the change, especially when you hit menopause two years. So versus a man, my husband's seven years older than me, when he, they go through a similar, you know, aging process, but it takes 10 years when their hormones become imbalanced. So they have plenty of time. You'll hear, oh, I'm getting older or that sort of thing. But for us, it's so rapid. That's why I always tell gal, you, you can't wait. You can't, you, this is not the time to wait and see. And so the belly fat, they do so much, but it really is, it's, it's diet. You have to change your diet 100%. So anytime you eat out, you are probably faced with seed oils. Anytime you have preservatives, food dyes, BHT, you know, GMOs, you know, any kind of fake food is definitely going to be detrimental, not only to your health, but also it's going to lead to that bloat is really what it is. And so you know, we travel a lot. So if I eat out, even though I say, please, no seed oils, sometimes I can't help it. I just really, you don't know what's in your food. So if I get bloated, that's why it's so important to get, you know, stop that bloat you know, in its tracks. When you're back home, I just put out a five day free, you know, gut reset. I just came out with it yesterday. Um, 
but because it is such a huge thing. A lot of women, they might think it's menopause that they're gaining weight. They blame it on menopause. It's not menopause. It's the combination of not changing your diet, not continually to move like you used to, right? You're not getting in your steps in, you're not exercising. And so because of this, you know, fluctuation in the hormones, you're not changing your lifestyle even a little bit to counteract that. And so they do get this back fat, you know, they get the tricep jiggle, which can happen, you know, at any age for that, if you don't work your triceps Um, and it's a real problem. And so that's why I help them with their diet. We really look at the diet, you know, really deep. Mm. Seed oils. Tell me more because I've been seeing this kind of stuff show up on my Instagram feed and it's kind of new to me. What is the big fuss about seed oils? Why should we be so concerned about them and where, um, where do they hide? Yeah. So they are in uh, almost all packaged foods. So it's that hydronated vegetable oil. So I did a reel, a post on this a a while back. Um, So the seed oil started from Procter and Gamble. They were a huge soap company, chemical company in America. And they had the runoff from their soap and they didn't know what to do with this liquid. So they teamed up. This is back in the early 1900s. They teamed up with this German doctor to make this liquid into a solid, which was amazing at the time. And again, it was a chemical runoff from soap. And they then they marketed, they're very clever, marketed it to housewives in the 1930s as a vegetable oil, and they called it Crisco, big in America. Okay. So basically, you know, they would actually pay these, you know, housewives to get aprons on that was the thing then you know and and do these you know print commercials for cooking with this newfound wonderful you know frisco which is hydronated vegetable oil very toxic came from chemicals and that's the invention of it so it's canola oil so we don't want things that we just want fresh butter you know cook with butter it's it's the best thing or olive oil if it's not too high um you know whole fat food we don't really cook with butter anymore in restaurants or bakery items package. That's why I don't like any kind of package. If you have something in your hand in a package and it says the word healthy, very technically my, my version of healthy, it's not healthy because in a package, because if you can put something on your shelf for more than four days and it doesn't turn moldy, it has some kind of preservative in it to make it so it doesn't mold. And usually it is some kind of hydronated vegetable oil helping it stay there, emulsifying, keeping the ingredients together versus butter. Or olive oil or or something, you know, ghee. Yeah. (laughs) So that, yeah, it's a big problem. Now, I don't know, in London, you know, it's different. You know, I don't know, you know, your rules. I know in Europe, when I go see my family in Italy, that's not a problem. A lot of these parabens are outlawed over there. So I don't have to worry about it so much in America. Definitely have to worry about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, hundred <laughs> percent. And it's the inflammation really. It's the, it, yeah. I guess it's our body's reaction to these um, unnatural chemicals that then triggers um, a low grade inflammatory response within our 
um, guts, which then travels throughout our bodies, um, causing all sorts of health problems, um, heart disease, um, cerebrovascular right. disease, everything else. Um, there's so many consequences, um, some of which we just don't even know the extent right. of, to inflammation in our body. And and, and so much of um so much of that is coming from unnatural um food products so what i'm really hearing you say is focus on um a whole food unprocessed diet and the best way to um the best way because a lot of people i think get confused by what that actually means like what's a whole food Mm -hmm. diet how would you describe to someone who may not be totally familiar with what a whole food diet is to let them know like what that means yeah the easiest thing is especially in america and i think i'm trying to think about the supermarkets not so much in europe but if you walk around the perimeter of your grocery store that's where all the real food is you go into the aisle maybe to get your rolled oats you get your coffee okay um Other than that, at least this is the way it's set up here. You walk in, you have the produce department. So especially in Europe, very few vegetables are packaged. They're always loose, right? You go there, you might go to the butcher. You you can, you know, pick your meat right there. So all this is not in a package. And you keep going, you'll see your eggs, you'll see the dairy, the butter. You have to think of farm to table. It's how I grew up, right? We were my my grandparents were farmers. My mom was farmer's daughter back in the 70s and 80s. And this is how it is in Southern Italy still today because they're like 70 years behind behind the way I live, which is amazing because everything is fresh. You do not eat food that is not in season and every single thing you eat is fresh. So it's very, very easy. And this is how it is a lot in the Mediterranean, the Southern countries. It's really an American, more Westernized let's say, well-to-do countries that were kind of in the pits, okay? It's just our food is terrible because of the choices that we have and no one really eats this natural food. But I think a lot of countries that they have no choice. They always eat natural food. You're not going to have raspberries shipped from New Zealand like we do. I can get any fruit that I want in any season and that's really not that great. So you're just thinking of things, um, like you said, the vegetables, the meats, you don't need a huge variety. Studies have shown most people only really eat about 10 to 15 foods. They just are kind of eating the wrong 10 to 15 foods. I only eat 15 foods when I'm at home, very specific that I share with my clients if they want to know, but it's very simple food prepared simply. Think of old fashioned, you know, in butter. Okay. And when you, you know, I don't use any kind of sauces because they have preservatives in it, right? Because it's in a bottle. Salad dressing, rise, it raises your triglycerides. That is a known fact because of the ingredients in it. And so if you want your salad, how about, you know, vinegar, right? Balsamic and some olive oil. So it's, it's a simple way of eating um, for your listeners in Europe. It's probably how they eat anyway, really, because every time I've been, and we're about to take our 26th European trip as a family, And so we travel around, you know, across the pond and we love it over there because, again, we don't have to worry about parabens, preservatives, and the food is fresh. You don't have to worry about it. Go and we shop in grocery stores and it really is quite nice. 
it's not as difficult as people, you know, think it is. So they really are simple tweaks from what you're saying. The key messages are weight train, start with your own body weight. Walking is actually um, a really good start. Um, use, uh, use resistance bands and build up from there. Mm-hmm. Form being very important and ask for assistance to make sure your form is right so that actually muscle groups that are not being worked start getting some attention to really yeah. help with balance and um and balance being so important as we get older mm-hmm. um, and to focus on diet are really as unprocessed as we can um, and focus on protein so protein with quite a staggering um quite a staggering mm-hmm. aim of one gram per pound a day of protein to really allow you to build muscle so you want to build muscle to keep you strong and strength really is the key both in your muscles and in your bones as we get older have i missed anything would you give any oh, other sort of magic <laughs> good yeah. so yeah it really is simple and there are simple tweaks to our what we do in the kitchen what we do in the gym or at home that really can make all the difference so I think I can I think I I think I'll be paying a bit more attention to all of those things moving forward great so thank you so much Barb for sharing those with us and you said you mentioned that you work with tell us who you generally work with I normally work with peri to postmenopausal gals is because I am now postmenopausal. Um, it's up on my website, barbhawkandwellness.com. And that's really who I work with. Some Sometimes gals in their late 30s. Yeah, I mean, I always stress get back in shape before menopause if you can, because it's not impossible, but it is harder, obviously, um, when your hormones are balanced, when you're younger and you do want to start always like today you just want to you know start incorporating today Mm. and you work one-on-one and you work a sort of it sounds like you work online um and use video support a lot so anyone who's looking to get a bit more of individualized support and training could get in touch correct Yes, uh, worldwide. I have clients in, in England worldwide. Yes, because it is video. It's how I train with my coach. I had no idea there was such a thing. And I wanted to work with my coach um, with powerlifting. And he's in Columbus, Ohio. And I thought, how am I going to do that? And turns out there's apps. This was during right before COVID. And I thought, oh, what a brilliant idea. Right. And so he can see my videos, my form, that sort of thing. And I thought that is really cool. So yeah, and now there are, you know, many apps and I just use one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm, wow, I didn't know they existed. That's really yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Super. Well, um, that makes it really easy um, to get support from the from our own homes if that's where we choose to work out. So um, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. I'll put your um, website details and social media details in the show notes. And I really thank you for sharing your wisdom with us here on the podcast. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening, Body, Mind, Soul Seekers. If you want to connect with trusted alternative therapists, learn more about what they do and how they can help you, check out my new holistic healthcare platform, The Witchy Women. Or if you are a holistic healer 
that wants to serve and help more people, book in a discovery call with me. Find more details at thewitchywomen.com. To show your support for this podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Thank you all so much. Until next time.